Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin, our number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. You know, I just watched the president in a press statement in a press conference. He was cool as a cucumber. He went through the facts, went through what's taking place, where he feels we're headed. Um, the vaccinations and the therapies and and I have to say, all the attacks on our pharmaceutical companies, you do realize that Bernie Sanders had been president, that these advances would not be occurring because these pharmaceutical companies wouldn't really exist in their current form. It's called the private sector. But as I watched this, I also noticed, and we, we picked off some of the questions from the reporters, there wasn't a single question about anything the president said on the substance. Did you notice that, Mr. Producer? Not a word. Instead, it was all about, do you wear a mask? How often do you wear a mask? How often do you get tested for the virus? This is the problem, as I've said before with political reporters covering a medical or scientific event. This is how they cover it. And in the case of the Democrat Party media, it's not only about politics, it's about trying to play gotcha with the president. This is what infuriates me. So the American people don't learn anything. They don't learn anything. And CNN didn't even cover his answers. Which got me to thinking to something else. The president subjects himself to the Democrat Party media. That's what this is. That's who these people are. These are kamikaze 
phony reporters for the Democrat Party press, whether it's CNN, it's run by a hardcore leftist, or MSNBC and NBC, and all the rest of them. So the president, Donald Trump, subjects himself to the Democrat Party media. But Joe Biden does not subject himself to conservative media. They are very carefully choosing the hosts, even in the Democrat Party media, who get to speak to Biden, how long they get to speak to Biden, and the topics that they get to use to speak to Biden. And the media are perfectly happy with this. There should be a daily drumbeat about the fact that we have soon to be a major party presidential candidate who will not make himself available to the media and hence the people. How many times did we hear? Oh, Donald Trump hasn't had a press conference in so-and-so, and yet he engages with the press more than any president in modern history, if, if history, for that matter. But Biden doesn't. He didn't even take questions today. He gave a speech where he's offering senior citizens stuff, young people stuff, single mothers stuff, because they have all this poll tested now. In addition to the the Marxist agenda that he's going to push on the suburbs and other parts of the country. But nobody's there to question him. And, and the few people who are there are not permitted to question him. And as I said, the media are perfectly happy with this. There's no Jim Acosta confronting Biden. There's no John Carl confronting Biden. There's nobody confronting Biden. So while the president makes himself available to the hostile Democrat Party press... Biden does not make himself available, first of all, to anybody in the conservative media, and secondly, to barely anybody, even in the Democrat Party media. So he throws out a speech. It goes unchallenged. His positions go unchallenged. There's a zillion questions he ought to be asked about his policy proposals from last week, and he's not going to be asked them. Because there's no forum available to ask him. So think about that. That's number one. Number two, there's now a concerted effort, just as there is with the pandemic, but with the president trying to bring peace in our streets, there's now a concerted effort to convince people that it's the president with federal law enforcement protecting federal property federal buildings, including federal courthouses, that he's the one instigating the riots. Now, we know that's a flat-out lie, but it doesn't matter. You have Susan Rice on The Daily Show. Listen to this. Cut to go. But how do you view what's happening in Portland right now? Do you think that it's a, it's a, it's a required use of force or, or federal assistance, or do you think that something has gone off the rails? No, it's an abuse of power by President Trump, and it's a purely politically motivated abuse of power. He's sagging in the polls. He thinks the only way to rally his base is through racism and, you know, Now, she, she is deranged. What does this have to do with racism? She is deranged. She is vile. She's evil. His polls? If that were the case, he would have sent the tanks in there two, three, four, five weeks ago. If that's what he felt would bring up his polls. 
they're trying to carefully think through the best way to address this mayhem and this anarchy in these Democrat cities defended by these Democrat governors. You have hostile mayors who are themselves Marxists, hostile governors who could bring an end to this, but they don't want to. I guarantee you if if Biden's elected, God forbid, they'll bring an end to it. But not a minute before. So as we've talked about, the federal government has legal authority under a number of statutes. It has constitutional authority. It has precedential authority to act. Regardless of what my friend Judge Napolitano has to say. I know more about this Constitution. Well, I won't get into that. I won't get into that. I like him a great deal. But people are allowed to have their differences too. But it's absurd to say that the president can't act. All you have to do is read the statutes, read the Constitution, look back at the Civil War, look at the Insurrection Act of 1807. I could go on and on and on and on. This isn't about a radical libertarian ideology. This is about the law and the Constitution and order. So I'm not going to play the whole Susan Rice thing. It only gets worse. Then you have John Heilman. Hi, Heilman. On the uh, Morning Schmo Show. And this is on MSNBC. And you can see, this is a black helicopter guy. He's a conspiracy nut. And they happily run this guy on a Comcast-owned, NBC-owned, MSNBC program. Cut three, go. You know, we are talking, this is not just performative authoritarianism. This is authoritarianism. This is a, these are paramilitary units. These are the kinds of things that we have seen in tyrannical authoritarian regimes in third world countries throughout the 20th, the second half of the 20th century. So stop, so sending in federal law enforcement to protect federal property from the true paramilitary units of the Democrat Party. You know what? I'm going to borrow that, Mr. Producer. The paramilitary units of the Democrat Party. That now is authoritarianism. And you call our federal law enforcement paramilitary units. You call what the president's trying to do in a very careful way tyrannical and authoritarian. Go ahead. This is not a this is not a mystery what's going on here. And I think that to, to, to look at this through the prism of symbolic politics, the law and order campaign, Trump uh, trying to rerun the Nixon playbook is true, but doesn't, as I say, go far enough. We are looking, I think, here and this is a dark and I, I don't want to be overly alarmist about this, but I think this is the time to be alarmist, knowing where Donald Trump stands right now politically, understanding where we are headed in this election. I think we were looking at a potentially a trial run for a kind of ge- a genuine attempt to 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 through intimidation and potentially through force to try to uh, to try to steal this election. This is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. So the regular guest or contributor now on a Comcast owned network that says the President of the United States who is prudentially 
using federal law enforcement, that this is evidence, a trial run for him to use federal law enforcement to steal the election. Do you think the media in this country, ladies and gentlemen, are a net benefit or a net negative? This is a, a news channel, MSNBC. Does it sound that way to you? Cut four, Mr. Producer. And I think we are now at the point where, you know, we see the things that the president is doing. We see his intention to not accept an outcome of this election. The Democrats sue to challenge elections. We had the Black Panther Party and precincts in Philadelphia threatening people. Uh, as I've said over and over again, there's a news article that Joe Biden has 600 litigators ready to go on election day. The Democrats never accepted the 26th election. They've been involved in coup efforts. They've criminalized politics. They unconstitutionally impeached an innocent man. This is the Obama administration, the Hillary Clinton campaign, the Democrats in the House, the Democrats in the media. Trump hasn't tried to stop anyone in terms of an election. And it's the Democrats who didn't stop the Russians in 2016 because it was the Democrats interfering in the election. And so now they say that Trump won't accept the outcome of the election. Trump may challenge it, depending on what takes on in the courts. That's where the Democrats have paved the way. And the outcome of that will determine, perhaps, who will be president of the United States. But that doesn't mean he's going to use federal law enforcement or the military. This is sick stuff. But you understand, just like the race stuff, it is sick stuff. Systemic racism, riot. This is all intended to benefit the Democrat Party. All of this is being orchestrated. All of this is being pushed. All of this is being done to accommodate the Democrat Party and their demand for power. The Black Lives Matters founders, they said they want Trump out right away. Who are they going to vote for? They're going to vote for Biden. Who did they support before? Bernie Sanders. They are a paramilitary wing of the Democrat Party. Antifa is no different. The mayors are no different. Why do you think the mayors are sitting on their hands? Yes, they are Marxist ideologues, but why else? Because they know they'll get elected no matter what. As sick as it is, these are one-party cities. One-party cities. And they know the more commotion, the more anarchy, the more riots that they cause, that they tolerate. Then they turn around and blame Trump when he's trying to figure out ways to address it. Paramilitary and on and on and on. Same with the virus. The Democrats haven't lifted their fingers to contribute to a cure, to contribute to testing, to contribute, and they haven't held serious hearings trying to figure out what to do. They've held series, They've held hearings, a series of hearings, to politicize the matter. Go ahead. To Joe Biden, we have making it very clear, and some of it is 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 rhetoric about mail-in voting. But when the next thing, right, that's and- enough. And he's not alone. Joe Scarborough. Cut five, go. There are no words. I mean, this is, you know, file this, uh, pushing the 75-year-old over in Buffalo, who was just standing there asking questions. This isn't 
America. I mean, these goons running around uh, unidentified, grabbing people, throwing them into cars, unmarked cars, and, and then speeding off. This is, this is, again, it's performative authoritarianism. Is Okay, these guys learned a new word, performative. You know what? When you have riots and when you have cops trying to stop riots, sometimes there are things that happen. And so what the scum of the earth do, the low lives of the earth that fill our airwaves and TV stations do, is they look for those examples to trash this country and trash that people are trying to defend it. More when I return. Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. And freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, Commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So you've heard Scarborough, you heard this guy, hi, hi, Elvin. You heard Susan Rice, who's despicable in every respect. And still, as part of this stooge operation, the Morning Joe, they have Mike Barnacle. Cut six, go. And in the larger context of what is happening, especially with the president's threat yesterday, as Peter Baker just uh, mentioned, to send this federal police force to the city of Chicago, ironically, run by a black female mayor, and the president seems to have issues with any women, but especially some, a black woman, a black woman with power, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago. What the hell is this freak talking about? There's not a black woman who's the mayor of Portland. There's not a black woman who's the mayor of... Seattle. There's not a black woman who's the mayor of Minneapolis. There's not a black woman who's the mayor of New York. What? You are a sick SOB. And notice all the black women who host the Morning Joe, Mr. Producer. I think Scarborough has a problem with race and women, period. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. And freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, Commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. 
Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the most popular conservative author in America. Call in to the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. I just played you several individuals, most of whom are from one show on MSNBC. So multiply that by many shows and CNN and the newsrooms and the New York Times and the Washington Post. Never before have any of you, I don't care how old you are, experienced a media like this. Never before. Where you have people sitting around a table on a so-called news platform speculating how the president will use federal law enforcement or even federal troops calling federal law enforcement goons. And there's several reasons for this. Not only ideology, which is significant. Not only party affiliation now, which is significant. But you look around that table and to use a Democrat line at all those white faces. None of them live in these communities where these riots are taking place. Do you know where Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski live? They live in Jupiter, Florida. That's in the news. That's well known. I'm not going to give you their address. I'm not into that in the least. But I'm telling you This is where they live. This is where they do the vast majority of their programming from. So they comment on this as if they could be commenting on something in a foreign land because it utterly unaffects them. They do not have to live with the consequences of any of this. They're safe. Their homes are safe. Their children don't go to these schools. They don't have to live with the consequences of any of this or have any of the policies that they embrace, none of them. Zig Heilman? Barnacle the plagiarist? None of them. And same with the vast majority of others who comment, regardless of their race, on these TV platforms. They don't live in these communities either. They live on college campuses, Maybe they live in the suburbs. Maybe they live in a, in a high-rise, in a tony part of town, that sort of thing. But they don't live as they preach. And none of their children, none of their relatives, let me put it this way, none of their close relatives are policemen. Or work for the Border Patrol. Or work in any of these law enforcement jobs where the men and women in law enforcement are now targets of this mob, of this Marxist Democrat Party paramilitary mob. So they're unaffected by it. Totally unaffected by it. Furthermore, they have no responsibility for what's taking place. They can say whatever they want. And they do. 
and they say the most outrageous things about this president, about federal law enforcement, about the police, about systemic racism. They say the most outrageous, unproven, dishonest, and in some cases dangerous things. And they do it day in and day out, all day long. Because they don't have to live with the consequences of any of this. Now, one other reason. Why would a Comcast that owns MSNBC or an AT&T that owns CNN or a Bezos that owns the Washington Post or a conglomerate of billionaires that now own the New York Times, why would they conduct themselves this way? Let's focus on cable. Because here's the dirty little secret. Cable subscriptions are plummeting. They are plummeting by the hundreds of thousands every year. Cable subscriptions are plummeting. More and more of you don't want to pay the huge monthly bill for your cable service. You have these monopolies like Comcast or Cox or whatever, and you've had enough of it, and you have ways around it with Netflix and these other streaming services. And you're using those streaming services or you're watching free TV or I might add you're watching subscription TV like Levin TV. But there's simply no question. Cable households peaked as reported by Variety in 2010, 10 years ago, 105 million. You know what they are today? A little less than 83 million. That is a huge drop. That's a 20% drop. You know what they expect it to be in three years, two and a half years? A little over 72 million. So in 13 years, you're going from 105 million households to 72 million households. That is a massive drop. And what does that portend? That could portend that in 10, 15, certainly 20 years, cable is not going to be anything like it is today. There'll be more and more streaming and maybe other competitive forces out there. So what does that mean for a CNN and an MSNBC? And a Fox, for that matter. Well, for Fox, what it means, from my perspective, and I not get into management and all these decisions, stay the course. Because if you're just another outlet like a CNN or MSNBC, you're going to lose your audience. And this is particularly why and this is public. I'm not giving any trade secrets. The conservative primetime shows are what carries the ratings for the program. Whether it's Fox and Friends in the morning. And then Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram. Those are the programs that carry that network. Now, what programs carry CNN and MSNBC? Here's the thing. If they were to be pure news, serious news, they would cease to exist. So what they've decided and what's been demonstrated so far as cable subscriptions are plummeting is that you have to have, as they point out in Variety, in the right, sort of a niche. So the food channel and associated channels are doing well during the coronavirus, they point out. HGTV is doing well. 
the History Channel's doing pretty well. You look at Pawn Stars and the American Pickers, they're very popular. What's not doing well? Basic, basic cable's not doing well. So you need niches. And what CNN and MSNBC have decided is to broadcast to a niche, to create a niche. And you saw CNN, which was considered a news channel. That's why it was on all these airports originally. News, not controversial. CNN has made a change since Jeff Motherzucker has taken over. He's a leftist. He's a Democrat. He spent his entire career poisoning broadcasting. And he wants to out MSNBC when it comes to moving left and hating Trump. That's their audience. That's their niche. It is, in other words, the Democrat Party base is their niche. MSNBC, the Democrat Party base is their niche. So they're fighting over that niche. Which is why their ratings will never compare to Fox as if Fox doesn't water down its niche. Where it becomes in too many respects and too many programs indistinguishable from the others. Nobody's going to watch it. But under uh, Suzanne Scott, they've held the line. They've done quite well. And the great Rupert Murdoch, who I've met once in my life and enormously impressive, by the way. By the way, who's the invisible hand behind CNN? You don't know because it's a massive conglomerate, AT&T. Who's the invisible hand behind MSNBC? We don't know because Comcast is now a massive corporation. But all AT&T and Comcast care about is profitability. And as long as CNN is profitable, and as long as MSNBC is profitable, they don't care. Because the great myth, as we've talked about before, is that these corporate boardrooms are conservative. They're not conservative in the least. They would sell their mothers and their fathers for a buck. They have no loyalty not all of them, but too many of them. No loyalty to this country or to capitalism or to you. While they talk a good game about social activism and redistributing wealth, it, again, like with Scarborough and the others, it's not in their neighborhood. It's not in their bank accounts. And it's not in their lives. So what? You increase the marginal tax rate by 10 or 20%. They could care less. They'll just buy another company or do whatever they have to do to make it up. You and I, we can't work that way. That's not how we function. And so here you have the hypocrisy where they, they make billions and billions of dollars off a capitalist competitive system while giving voice to Black Lives Matter, to Antifa, while trashing the United States military, U.S. law enforcement, the President of the United States, while promoting a coup against the President, criminal investigations against the President, an impeachment against the President. Just get those ratings up. Their base is Bernie Sanders. Their base is AOC. This is why they celebrate them. This is why they promote them. This is why they dare not confront them. This is also why Joe Biden is going to get, not only get a pass. I'm coming full circle from the beginning of the program. Not only get a pass, but he will be protected. No reputable news organization would hire a Chuck Todd as a senior anything. 
The guy's as dumb as hell. And he's a hack. Look at they reach out to George Stephanopoulos on ABC. And the networks are the same way. Because their numbers are going down. But look at MSNBC. Why would you hire Al Sharpton? He's a bigot. Why would you promote Joy Reid? She's a bigot. Doesn't matter. Clean the slate. They're on the left. We pretend it never happened. And look who goes on her show. The Clintons and Biden. Like she never said all those homophobic things and those other hateful hatred things. Doesn't matter. 7 p.m. prime time MSNBC. And so this is what's happened. The New York Times has also, look, the New York Times has been evil almost from the, from the start. This has been their niche. As has been pointed out by Michael Goodwin now and others, they have a tie to the Confederacy, a tie to slavery. They have a tie to Stalin. They have a tie to the Holocaust uh, deniers. And yet they survive. Because they have a niche. And they make money. And today, they're ideologues for the left. That's their business model. That's their business model. So MSNBC and CNN in particular, those two, are media for the Democrat Party base. And that's why they'll push Pelosi, who's now all in, or push the Democrats to take the more radical in the more extreme positions. That's their base. That's why when you watch a Fredo Cuomo or a D. Lemon, and you say, what happened? This isn't news. Exactly right. It's not news. They pretend they're news, but they're not even intended to be news. That line up top to bottom. Same at MSNBC. Top to bottom. Joe Scarborough figured this out. Joe Scarborough was on conservative talk radio with his sidekick, Mika, they failed, so he couldn't make money doing radio. Joe Scarborough begged Roger Ailes for a job on Fox. He was on from time to time, but he couldn't get a hosting job. So Joe Scarborough goes over to MSNBC with his sidekick, who he later marries, Mika Brzezinski. And now you can see he's moved full leftist. Why? Because that's where his money is. Nobody else would hire him. He couldn't make it anywhere else. It's all a game to Joe. He and his family aren't going to suffer the consequences of a Biden presidency or a Democrat takeover or nationalizing this or nationalizing that. And a lot of these people in the media, they befriend these politicians. So in case they have a problem, they pick up the phone and they take care of business. I'll give you a perfect example. Scarborough and Brzezinski were married at the National Archives. Nobody gets to get married at the National Archives, Mr. Producer. That's not a wedding facility or a bar mitzvah facility, or a confirmation facility. They called their buddy, the late Elijah Cummings, and he got it done for them. This is how they work. This is how it will work. Or they'll be on Martha's Vineyard, or they'll be uh, on Jupiter Island, wherever they are. And by the way, I love Jupiter. We have a home there too, but that's beside the point. I'm not a hypocrite about it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You can see more and more people now writing about this group called the Lincoln Project. I think I'm going to call it henceforth, Mr. Producer, the John Wilkes Booth Project. Because of their obsessive hatred of the president and their desire to character assassinate him, with these vulgar lies that some of you have seen on cable TV. There are now serious questions about connections to Russia. There are serious questions about what they're doing with the money they raise, the lack of transparency, and whether they're IRS issues. And I want to congratulate those who've been writing about it now, whether it's the New York Post and Breitbart and others, several others, You should keep at it because what you have here is a handful of Washington insiders who are trying to convince you to vote to destroy your own country. And not only are they targeting Trump, they're now targeting so-called moderate Republicans who have been supporting the president's agenda. And they are now going to oppose any Republicans who do not back Biden's agenda. So you can see this is a Trojan horse. They're funded by, among others, very wealthy Democrats. These are Washington operatives who are failures. One lawyer, three consultants, four stooges. You can go to my Facebook site, Mark Levin Show Facebook, or Mark Levin Show Twitter. We've been linking to these stories, and we will continue to do so. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Ever hear of this guy, Steve Schmidt, Mr. Producer? Who Most people don't know who this guy is. He has run miserable campaigns in the past with McCain and that guy Schultz, I think his name is, from uh, Starbucks. How long did that last? And other things. He's sort of, a, uh, sort of an inner thigh rash that just kind of hangs around politics in Washington, D.C. He looks like a cross between Buddy Hackett 
I would say, Mr. Producer, and Winston Churchill's dog. Not a pretty sight. And he's a bigot. He has attacked me before uh, because of my faith and other things. But he's, uh, he's part of the problem with this country. He contributes nothing, nothing to this society. He's a taker. And he hangs around Washington. He hangs around power. I think he was uh, Schwarzenegger's campaign guy. That explains a lot, too. And we know what Schwarzenegger's like. And so he spends his time on MSNBC, like a lot of these frauds who were or are Republicans, trashing good people. And they, they make their money trashing the President of the United States. He's one of the stooges with the Lincoln Project, a.k.a. the John Wilkes Booth Character Assassination Project. And he's very upset right now. <clears throat> he's very upset. He always looks like he's in pain, Mr. Producer. He's in a constant state of constipation. And... Um, He's one of the four stooges over there at the Lincoln Project. Where they steal Lincoln's name because they can't come up with anything else. And as I say, it's the John Wilkes Booth Project. There are serious questions that have come up about this organization. Ties to the Russians. Ties to billionaire Democrats. Their funding is not transparent. There are questions that I believe the IRS and the FEC and others should be asking. And they need an aggregate criminal anal examination. I guess of the sort that they were so thrilled and celebratory about when it came to the president. And they run these Goebbels types of uh, commercials on TV. One big lie after another. And the more they lie, the more they get paid. And the more they lie, the more they're celebrated in the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost and the usual sources of hate. And you know, far be it from me to comment on the physical characteristics of these four, but have you seen these four, Mr. Producer? They're sumo wrestlers without the good looks. This guy, Weaver, absolute crackpot. What's the other guy's name? Rick, whatever it is. Rick, well, another one who looks like he was in the movie Deliverance. And I think Schmidt did, in fact, play Ned Beatty in Deliverance. Don't you think, Mr. Producer? I think Schmidt played Ned Beatty. You've got Scarborough, who is the Deliverance boy on the bridge, but that could be Rick Wilson, too. And then there's George Conway. Big, big, big George Conway. Now, Sean and others like to call me the great one. As you know, I'm a modest man. I've never ever called myself the great one. But I think we can call George Conway the great big one. Don't you think, Mr. Reducer? So you got four reprobates, four miscreants. 
And now people are starting to look at this group, and they don't like it. So on Twitter, and you're welcome to go to Twitter, you have Steve Schmidt, who's very busy in his mother's basement, sitting there in his boxer shorts and his tank top, eating his mac and cheese that his, his mother heats up for him in his microwave, getting it all over his T-shirt and his boxer shorts. You, you, you have the picture. I'd say he'd have three days growth on his face, but he's incapable of that. Thinking up his next one-liner to put on Twitter. Then I hope all the politicians and corporations and organizations that are looking for consultants in Washington, you ought to read his posts. He gets paid a lot of money to be a very stupid man. Barely literate. But Washington's filled with scum like this, ladies and gentlemen. They're filled with scum like Steve Schmidt. Filled with it. And he goes on TV and he trashes you, the people in this audience. He trashes tens of millions of Americans. This is what all four of them do. As they try to further divide this country and defeat Donald Trump. They're all looking for their little niche. And little niche it is. The Four Stooges right there. The so-called Lincoln Project. A.K.A. the John Wilkes Booth Character Assassination Project. All right, let's move on. I reserve the right to revisit, by the way. The president had a great press conference today, and I noticed it was quite different. He went through all the information about what we've been doing on the coronavirus, the progress that's been made, that there needs to be more progress, and and he understands there's a spread going on in certain parts of the uh, southwest and Texas and in Florida, and he's, he's trying to address it. He wants to make sure they have everything they need and anything the governors want they can get. The president said he views this as a team effort. And honestly, I have a piece here from Politico, which is a left-wing site, uh, from um, May 4th, 2020. And it's a significantly long piece here. Biden has fought a pandemic before. It did not go so smoothly. And you can see a number of these pieces. And I encourage you to read it. Mr. Producer, make sure we put this up on, on our site, uh, on our website, marklevinshow.com. But it's chapter and verse about the disaster. And it's, that was the H1N1 or the swine flu pandemic during the Biden-Obama administration. Absolute abject disaster. From beginning to end. And how in fact they did luck out. And they had to pull in other cabinet secretaries because... Biden had screwed up so badly, so fast, early on. They brought in LaHood, the Secretary of Transportation. They brought in Janet Napolitano, the Secretary of, HS, uh, of Homeland Security. They brought in Jack Lew, who then was the uh, Deputy Secretary, I believe, of Treasury. They brought in people to, <clears throat> to fix the public relations. But they never could get their hands around it. 
they, in terms of getting a vaccine, uh, it was a disaster. It was slow. There were many, many hiccups in the process. In terms of getting the vaccine to people who needed it, they said they would have 100 million available. Then they said they would have 60 million available. And in fact, a small percentage that were available were actually able to be used. And that's the truth. The flu infected 60 million Americans, but they were lucky that 12,469 died as a result of it because it could have been a complete disaster. They were not only not ready for a pandemic, and in some respects that's understandable, they never could get their hands around it. And they didn't. And this was a flu, like all, almost all flus that I'm aware of, that does affect children. As opposed to the elderly. It affects the elderly, but children are hardest hit when it comes to the flu. And um, it's quite a fascinating piece. So I'll let you read it on by yourself because it would take me literally 30 minutes to read this on there. But it's very, very important. It's important because when you compare this to what the Trump administration and this president has done, there is no comparison. The Trump administration in its addressing of this flu has been almost seamless. Now the flu doesn't, nece- excuse me, the, the virus. The virus doesn't necessarily cooperate. It moves. And in this case, you know, we, the public ourselves, it was said, have to conduct ourselves a certain way. That wasn't the case with the swine flu, the H1N1 flu. They didn't tell, hunker down, wear masks, wear gloves, don't do this, don't do that. You didn't hear anything about that in 2009. This pandemic is actually far more complex and ubiquitous. That is, it's much more difficult. And when you read this piece or you listen to my, my, my show in the past when I've talked about how the Obama administration failed this, including Biden. Biden was a key guy here. And then when you look at what Trump's done with the PPEs and what he's done with the ventilators and the beds and, and so forth and so on, these attacks on Trump whether by a disgruntled Republican governor like Hogan, who's failed in his own right, or by the governors who've had more deaths on their watch than any other governor, in part as a result of what they did to their senior citizens in nursing homes and assisted living homes, which is a, which is a crime, is a disgrace. It's disgusting. These attacks on Trump are utterly unwarranted. But the media don't care for all the reasons we've talked about, all the reasons I've written about and so forth. Biden will never be asked about any of this in 2009 because we don't have access to him. The media do not have access to him and the media don't want access to him. And the media, led by Tom Friedman over there at the New York Slimes, doesn't want debates. They don't want debates. So they don't want access to him, they don't want debates. They want to pour into a Biden empty suit, different policies, different positions, accomplishments and successes, 
that don't exist. That don't exist. And when we look back on this, 10 or 20 years from now, you're going to see how successful this president has been. I'm not saying these deaths aren't serious. They're horrific. But Trump didn't cause them. He's been trying to deal with it. And when you have a massive federal leviathan, and then you have states that want to go their own way, and when you have a federal government and state governments, and you're an outsider who comes in, after all these decades and all this money are not prepared to deal with this, and you as the outsider building it from the bottom up, and you're taking shot after shot after shot by the Democrats, who have as their goal your destruction, Shot after shot after shot by the Democrat Party media, their propagandists, their their kamikaze reporters. It makes it very, very difficult. And so now we have, who do you trust better on the job on coronavirus? This is a Fox thing. 51% Biden, 34% Trump. His performance on coronavirus approved 43%, disapproved 56%. All these deaths that occurred in New York in New Jersey, in Connecticut, and other places where they were shoving coronavirus-positive patients in with senior citizens. Trump didn't do that. They did that. This is why the Democrats will never call Andrew Cuomo to testify in the House. Why the Republicans won't in the Senate is beyond me. This is also why Andrew Cuomo's only real interviews occur with his brother Fredo where they talk about whether or not Andrew's going on dates and so forth and so on. This is why if anybody questions what Andrew Cuomo has done, media hacks attack them viciously. Particularly on the internet. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. All right, I don't have a lot of time, do I, Mr. Producer? I have three minutes, Well, let's start this. President of the United States goes through, really, an enormous amount of information in a very uh, very positive way. He's talking about it, you know, no fisticuffs, nothing. And what do the reporters ask him? Nothing relevant to any of the substance. So concerned about the coronavirus, are they? They ask them nothing about the coronavirus. 
For example, cut 13, go. You've been saying for months that the virus would simply disappear, and now you're saying that it's likely to get worse before it gets better. If it does keep getting worse, if Americans keep dying, are you responsible for that? Now listen to that. Are you responsible? This is a political reporter. Are you responsible if more Americans die because you said it would go away, but now it's gotten worse? I don't know. Is Fauci responsible for more Americans dying because he said don't wear a face mask and now he says to wear it? Or that it'll just be like a flu and now he says it's not? He's supposed to be the science expert. They would never ask Fauci that. And by the way, Fauci's going to throw the ball out at the first Nationals game, I guess tonight or one of these nights. Trump goes and plays golf. How do you play golf when you got Fredo Cuomo attacking him? How are you holding Goya Bean? This guy's taking pictures in style magazines around the pool. He's throwing out a baseball. And I think Fauci, over, I think it's demonstrated, has been a complete bureaucratic mess. A disaster. Go ahead. It will disappear. It will disappear. I think that uh, I always like to say as, you know, either way, when you look at it, the governors are working with me. I'm working with the governor. We're working hand in hand. I think we're all responsible. I view it as a team. Very good relationships with the governors. Very, very good relationships. Uh, I could say I'm fully responsible, but, you know, one day we had a virus come in and I closed the borders, did a lot of things that were very good. In fact, Dr. Fauci said we saved tens of thousands of lives when I closed the border and nobody wanted to do it. I wanted to do it. We closed the border to China. We put on the ban. We didn't want people coming in from heavily infected China. Fairly shortly thereafter, I closed the borders from Europe, coming in from Europe. Those were tremendous moves. We would have if it's one person, it's too much. But we're at, let's say, 140,000. We could have double, triple, quadruple that number if we did. No, 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 so- you don't understand. It's your fault, Mr. President. Not G's fault. Not Fauci's fault. And on the swine flu deaths, I don't know. Is that Joe Biden's fault? Anybody going to ask him about the swine flu deaths, if that's his fault? No, they're not. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark Levin Tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. You should go on Twitter, Levinites. (laughs) See my last post, right, Mr. Producer? Steve Schmidt. Mark, what are you doing? I'm having fun. I'm having fun. Guy's a scumbag, so I deal with it. He's one of these founders of the Lincoln Project. And so I said he's overpaid, overexposed, and overweight. And a test tube experiment gone wrong. What's wrong with that, Mr. Producer? I didn't say anything about his parentage. I didn't say anything about... Well, let's just leave it at that for now. But we're going to continue to have fun with him 
and the other three freaks that make up this Lincoln Project. They hide behind a legal entity. They hide behind their their, uh, television hit jobs against the President of the United States, against the people who support him, and now against Republicans generally. And now they want to defend and promote Biden. So it's a real freak show. A real freak show. Let's continue. AT&T, $76 a month. Verizon Wireless, $83 a month. Sprint, $92 a month. That's what the average family for saving a month on their cell phone service by switching to Pure Talk USA. Looking to cut costs and free up cash on a monthly basis? Start today with Pure Talk USA. Pure Talk covers 99% of Americans. Yeah, the same network as the other guys, but at a fraction of the price. Their call center is all based right here in America, and their chairman and CEO is a U.S. veteran. And listen to this. Right now, you can save $250, $250 off any iPhone with a qualifying plan. Stop paying so much to big wireless providers. They're ripping you off. When your family could be saving over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk USA. Here's what you do. Dial pound 250, pound 250, and say the keyword Mark Levin, and you'll save $250 off any new iPhone with a qualifying plan. That's pound 250, keyword Mark Levin. Even if you don't need a new iPhone, get this service. It is the best, and it is so cheap without any effect on the quality. It's just terrific. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. I want you to hear more of the inquiry from the press after the President of the United States this evening had a conversation where he went through, or or a statement where he went through all the things being done on the coronavirus, not to pat himself on the back, things that are being done and will be done. And I think we should be very excited, quite frankly. We have a number of companies now. There's a couple more here tonight that feel they're making tremendous progress on a vaccine. And one I'm seeing here on a therapy. You would never see this in another administration, and you haven't. You didn't see it in the Obama-Biden administration. You didn't see it. And by the way, once you have a vaccine, what comes next? You got to make sure you can get enough of the product and enough of the vials and enough needles to get it around all over the country. So you need hundreds of millions of them. That's not so simple either, particularly when there's billions of people and almost 200 governments trying to get access to it. So this is very complicated, and the president has it on a fast track, and we should be very excited about the progress that we're making. I don't mean Pollyanna's blowing off the dangers and all. They're going to be here no matter what. Let's be honest. No matter who, which party's in charge or what, the question is who's going to manage it better. And it's obvious that this president has managed a more ubiquitous, far more deadly, far more complicated virus than Obama and Biden could manage a flu. That's the bottom line. And our private sector, Big Pharma, who we're supposed to attack all the time, and I said, cut it out. It's not any more than big insurance and big oil and big this and all the big mouths on the left with big government and big taxes and big regulations. And by the way, big tuchuses. Have you noticed most of them on the left have a big tuchus, Mr. Producer? 
Just saying. Just an observation, nothing in particular. And so the reporters didn't ask a thing that was substantive. Here's another one. Cut 14. Go. Are you sending mixed messages? Though yesterday you tweeted out an image wearing a mask, and then last evening we saw you not wearing a mask. So wearing a mask. Wearing a mask. You're not wearing a mask. Why are you wearing it? Okay, let me help. He's the president of the United States. He's tested every day. He's the executive branch of the government. Before you can go in and meet with him, I know this as a matter of fact, you have to be tested. So if he's tested and I'm tested and the guy next to me is tested, Mr. Why are we wearing masks? Do you walk around your house wearing a mask if you don't have the virus and you're Husband or wife doesn't have the virus and your kids don't have the virus and your mother and your father don't have the Why would you wear a mask? Well, it's the same with him. You can't get into that facility unless you're tested. And if you don't have the virus, why are you walking around with a mask? Unless, of course, you're a liberal. And I strongly encourage liberals to wear masks all the time, Mr. Producer. Full facial masks. Maybe they can all wear Pelosi masks. Like on Halloween. But make Halloween an everyday event. Go ahead. I don't know uh, the hotel. I was pretty far away from people, but I would say this. Uh, so I, here he is, Lana. Did you, what, did you wear a mask at the hotel? People saw that you weren't wearing a mask. This is what we're getting from political hack reporters trying to play gotcha. Is this useful to you, ladies and gentlemen? So they cover up for Biden. They don't report the news when it comes to the coronavirus. They screw around with the numbers and provide no context. And they're constantly trying to trip up the president playing gotcha. That's what we have. Go ahead. Well, uh, if you're close together, I would put on the mask. And if you're not, I would say that if you're, for instance, I'll see like here, you've been all tested. I've been tested. Oftentimes I'll be with people that are. So let's stop a minute. So this is a charade. Or as I say, as the Kennedys say, a charade. Hey, yes, it's a charade. Those people sitting in that press room have all been tested. They don't need to wear masks. So why are they wearing masks? They've been tested. They don't have the virus. All the people in the room have been tested before they go to the room. That day, literally an hour before they're in there. They don't have the virus. The president doesn't have the virus. So why are they wearing masks? That would be my question. That's the little dirty secret you may not know. All those reporters sitting there have been tested in order to get into that facility. None of them have the virus who are sitting there with masks on. So why are they wearing masks? So they can say the president's not wearing a mask. You see, we're wearing masks. We're, he's not wearing a mask. Did you wear a mask here? Three in the morning. When you're wearing a mask, when you eat, you wear a mask. You got the mask. When you're in the car, you wear a mask. When you go, you wear a mask. You're not wearing a mask. What's with the mask? You're not wearing a mask to a whole comedy sketch on it. Jackie Mason would have a blast with this stuff. And then there's this one, and they're all the same. Cut 15, go. Unemployment insurance, how much below $600 are you willing to go? And you said that the economy is bouncing back strong, so why do we need to even cut it at all? So stop a second. So this is a, an event about the coronavirus, and this guy wants to know, 
Well, how much below the $600 beyond unemployment insurance are you willing to go? And since the economy, as you say, is coming back, why do we, why do we need it at all? Is it, are these not morons? Do they not listen to their own news? People are having difficulty in small businesses hiring people, even though we have millions of people out of work. In some cases, because by staying home and being out of the, uh, the way of the virus, they're earning $600 more every week, which we talked about as soon as they passed this stimulus so-called thing. I said, others said, what are you doing? This is counterintuitive. You're disincentivizing people. And that's exactly what's borne out, may I say, by the science. It's borne out by the science. Dr. Fauci. And so this doesn't get us anywhere when a guy asks a question like this. We already know the administration wants to do away with it. So why ask the question? Mr. President, I mean, I have a thousand questions I could ask the president related to the coronavirus and so forth. But none of these would even come to mind. It's like this fight the other day over the mortality rate. When the person at issue uses some chart that Johns Hopkins uses that has Bermuda on it and Pakistan on it. Well, why would you use the Johns Hopkins chart when they, they cherry pick or oddly put these countries on willy nilly when the CDC Europe has a chart, consistently has the chart, basically of the industrialized world? What, what's Bermuda have to do with anything? Maybe that's where I'm going to escape to one day, Mr. Producer. Bermuda, the Bahamas. What do you think? I could do a radio show. For, I could do a radio show from a boat now. I could do a podcast from anywhere. I can. Podcast from anywhere. All right. If you haven't tried Super Beat Soft Chews, and I mean this, if you haven't tried Super Beat Soft Chews, you're really missing out. First of all, it was brilliant. How they turned powder and water into a tasty, easy-to-use, soft chew. Super Beet Soft Chews combine non-GMO beets with a powerful new ingredient, grape seed extract. Now, the grape seed extract used in Super Beet Chews has been clinically shown to be two times as effective at supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle by itself. So better blood pressure means more energy, the way nature intended, without the jittery caffeine or stimulants. Now you can take just two chews a day. That's what they recommend. Two, no more. You're going to want to take more because they actually taste really good. And you can take them anytime, anywhere uh, to get the blood pressure support you need and the energy that you want. So do what we did and support your health heart with delicious Super Beats Chews. Get your Super Beats Chews today at levinsbeats.com. Let me go over that slowly because there's a plural in there. L-E-V-I-N-S, Levins Beats, B-E-E-T-S, one word, levinsbeats.com. And when you buy two bags right now, they'll throw in the third one for free. So I really want you to try this. That's levinsbeats.com. Beats.com, L-E-V-I-N-S-B-E-E-T-S.com, LevinsBeats.com. I'll be right back. Mark Levin.
see what we have going on here. Let's take a call, shall we? Amy, Colorado Springs, Colorado, XM Satellite. How are you? Amy, I'm go. Good, Mark. Thank you. I'm good, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I just had a question for you. You're talking about Biden and the, the media obviously covering for him. Um, are they going to try and get him out of the debates with Trump as well? What's your opinion on that? Yes, of course. They're going to try and get him out of the debates. Thomas Friedman thinks he's smart. He's He's got Pulitzer Prizes uh, hanging from his back pocket. They, they hand him out like lollipops to left-wing kooks. And um, he wrote that column that I read to you the other week in which he said uh, that Biden shouldn't just debate Trump. He ought to give him two conditions. Release your taxes and let's have a, a, uh, a real-time fact checker. And then you see these real-time fact checkers are frauds. Uh, and releases taxes. There are no conditions. This isn't some negotiation between uh, America represented by Trump and North Korea represented by Biden. This is a uh, presidential debate. I could see Lincoln saying to Douglas, uh, I'll debate, or, or Douglas saying to Lincoln, I'll only debate you. Uh, of course, they didn't have uh, income taxes at that point. If you release uh, XYZ. Well, no, 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 no. Let's debate. Everybody knows what's going on here. Everybody. Joe Biden is incapable of being president. It's not just incapable of speaking. He's incapable of thinking properly. This is very dangerous. They used to say you don't want somebody like this anywhere near the nuclear button. This guy's near the nuclear button. No concern about it. It's just take out Trump, take out Trump, take out Trump. So we have to insist. Why am I hearing myself? We have to insist that, um, uh, that these debates take place. Thank you for your call, Amy. I appreciate it. To whom else shall I speak? Ed! Safety Harbor, Florida on the Mark Levin app. Anybody ever get hurt in Safety Harbor, sir? Uh, no. <laughs> We're pretty safe here. <laughs> All right, just curious. And, and where is Safety Harbor? Hold on now. Where, where is Safety Harbor, Florida? Uh, are, you, do you, are you familiar with the town of Clearwater, Florida? Well, of course. So you're up there on the, on the uh, on, is that towards the west side of Florida then? Exactly. We're looking yes. at the, uh, the uh, uh, Tampa Bay right Very there. nice. Tampa Bay. Yes. All right. Go right ahead. Uh, Mr. Levine, I have a theory about this, where you were discussing about this uh, uh, corporation and all, all these networks like AT&T or Comcast and all you know, of this. I believe that all of these uh, uh, corporations that buy these uh, uh, networks do it and favor uh, one of the uh, most corrupt uh, parties in our country, which are the Democrats, because mm-hmm. they know they can, gain fa- they can gain favors from mm-hmm. them. Well, you're right. And, that- and, and one of the favors they can gain, Ed, is not to have negative stories done about them because they own the news platform. Exactly. So, so uh, when they put in all their chips in getting Biden as president, and once they get there, and you know, the Democrats will do anything to gain power. They'll do anything. And one of these things is getting, you know, good press from them. Yeah, the, the New York Times or, or, the, or any newspapers that favors them, or any network for this case. And they, they go with it. And they want to decide. We know that, the, that Trump is, go, is not going to go there. Trump is different. Trump, Trump is not a politician, and he's not hungry till death to get into power. All right, I have to ask you a question. Country. I have to ask, and I could be way off. I could be off by an entire continent. 
Eastern Europe. Yes, is that where you're from? No. Uh, I, I was born in Peru. I mean uh, South America. Sorry. Yeah, yes. All right. How's Peru doing? Uh, not so good with this COVID-19. But how's uh, it doing? Is it, is, it a, is it a socialist country, a relatively free country? What is Peru? They, 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 no, it's a, it's a democracy, but uh, uh, there has been a lot of uh, corrupt politicians, uh, more or less, you know, getting paid by other corporations in South America, like Brazil, and they have a lot of problems they're trying to clean up. All right. Just curious about that. Ed, thank you for your call. Very good points. Very good points. Now we have Joe Scarborough here. I know you're sick of him. We're all sick of him. Guy has no ratings. He was taking a mental health week or month or whatever. Clearly, he needs a mental health sabbatical. And by the way, let me just say this before we go to the break. I am so sick of these teachers' unions. In certain states, they're trying to shake down the school boards for hey, uh, Medicare for all and uh, reparations. And then we'll go back to the classroom. People who live in those communities should go to those school board meetings and demand that they fire a whole bunch of those teachers and they slash their property taxes. Then you have like Fairfax, Virginia, where they're protesting. They're protesting. And we can't go in the classroom. It's too dangerous. But protests we can do. I have a theory. A lot of the people who've been protesting are bureaucrats and teachers. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, so as I was listening to the network news at the break at the top of the hour, I heard what I thought was a defect in the connection. It was a very loud, high-pitched screech, like static, Mr. Producer. Turns out it was the Speaker of the House, Nancy Stretch Pelosi. And I heard her very last words where she was going on about Trump has been a failure in the virus, and now Trump admits it. And so now she has a, never, a, a, a new clever phrase that she will be using, and all the Democrats will be using now, and so the media will be using, and she called it the Trump virus. Now, you can't call it the China virus or the Wuhan virus. It's now the Trump virus, not the Xi virus, not the Cuomo virus, not the Murphy virus, the Trump virus. She's a very evil old lady, a very, very evil old lady. This is why we needed term limits for the longest time. So evil old women, like evil old men, can go home and abuse their spouses rather than abusing the nation. The Trump virus. Now, for you liberals out there, when you get your hemorrhoids, I think you should call it the Pelosi hemorrhoid. What do you think about that, Mr. Producer? 
Or if your little baby, when you're changing the diaper, has a, may I say, has diarrhea. It's the Pelosi diarrhea. Or if you have a vomiting fit and you're hurling, you can say, look at this, I'm hurling Pelosi's. Just think of anything grotesque and put Pelosi's name on it. Look at this, Mr. B. I had Pelosi on the bottom of my sneaker. I didn't even know I stepped it until I smelled it. Something like that. Look at this. Some bird pelosi on my windshield, Mr. Producer. Let's turn Pelosi into what she seeks to do to the president and the rest of us. Pelosi. Think about that name. Pelosi. It's a strange name, actually. Do you know many Pelosi's, Mr. Producer? Do you, Mr. Call Screener? Now, Mr. Producer is Italian. Do you know any? You don't know any Pelosi's, right? Uh, Mr. Uh, Call Screeners, Puerto Rican. You don't know any Pelosi's, do you, Mr. Call Screener? I don't. So, uh, uh, it's a strange. I, I don't know many Pelosi's. Now, she has a big slob husband who's made a fortune. Nobody really knows how he's made his money because he's never to be discussed. He's never to be known. His finances don't matter. Just the Trump family, their finances matter, but not the Pelosi family. Like she said, (laughs) I'm second in line to be president. (laughs) Well, then why don't we know about her finances? I'll tell you why. Because the Republicans are too damn weak to demand them, and then they're afraid that their finances will be known. That's the truth. That's the truth. What about 10 years of her tax returns? No. Then they'll demand 10 years of the Republicans' tax returns. Can't have that. So we always fight with uh, both arms tied behind our backs and a bag over our head. But I'm quite, if, you, if you're eating something and you really don't like it, Jesus, this is a Pelosi. I can't, no. Or if, uh, I don't know anything. Rather than that SOB, you say, that Pelosi, you know, if you have road rage and you're driving in the car, open the window and just yell, I'm Pelosi. I am so Pelosi, I can't take it anymore. I think so. She wants to abuse the president's name. It's very easy to abuse her name. Very, very easy. Because she has such high standards. She's such a classy lady is the Marxist, traitorous, vile, old lady named Nancy Pelosi. May I say that? I say with all due respect, as you well know. I didn't call her Eva Braun, Mr. Producer, did I? I didn't call her Eva Braun last night, did I? I didn't call her Eva Braun the night before. Now, even though they call the president Hitler, I never call Nancy Pelosi Eva Braun because calling Nancy Pelosi Eva Braun would be blasphemous. Never call her Eva Braun. That would bring up the Nazis, that would bring up Hitler, and you know, we only apply that to Trump and Republicans, never to Democrats. No. No. So we will not call Nancy Pelosi Eva Perone. 
uh, Eva Braun. We will call her Eva Perón, but but we'll call her all kinds of other things, like she does the president of the United States, because she's such a low life. May I call her a low life? I call her a low life, and I call her a low life with all due respect. It's just why the Jerusalem Post, which used to be a really good newspaper, had an article in there today. In Jerusalem would be yesterday, I guess. Or no, they're ahead of us. Well, it doesn't matter. And uh, called me a bomb thrower. A bomb thrower? Now, we have bomb throwers all around us, don't we, Mr. Producer? We've got Palestinian terrorists. They throw bombs. They do other stuff, whether it's Hamas or the Palestinian Authority. There's bomb throwers all over the Middle East. But the Jerusalem Post doesn't call Abbas a bomb thrower, even though he's a terrorist. They don't call the, the leaders of Hamas bomb throwers. No. That would be inappropriate. In our own country, we only call the men in blue and the women in blue bomb throwers. We only call federal law enforcement bomb throwers. We call our military bomb throwers. We certainly don't call the bomb throwers bomb throwers, even when they're throwing Molotov cocktails. So I'm a bomb thrower, you see. I'm no such thing. I'm a fighter. And I see people taking our country and burning it and trashing it and destroying it. And I'm going to fight like hell behind this microphone or behind any TV camera to defend it. For you and your family, for future families, for me and my family, my grandkids and future Levins, I'm going to fight. I'm not violent. Think about this for a minute. If the Tea Party, if the Tea Party had replaced Antifa and Black Lives Matter and was involved in looting and arson, dressed in black, the Tea Party members, Our breast and brown shirts, like the brown shirts, but now we have the black shirts with Antifa. Violently attacking citizens, killing citizens. Attacking police, in some cases killing police. Burning blocks down in our cities. Tormenting the Jews. In L.A. and other places. Saying things like, you either meet our demands or we'll burn this system down. Riding every night in one city or another, ambushing the Chicago cops. And we were the Tea Party doing this. What do you think the reaction from the media and the Democrats would be? What do you think the reaction would be? It would be destroy them, crush them. What's wrong with these mayors? Weren't we hearing from the Democrat Party? We put these people in prison. Track them down. Bring in the feds. Bring in the National Guard. Save our communities. Show respect for our first responders. These people seek to overthrow our country. When you do that, 
then you realize how bad it is. Both the violence that's taking place and the insurrection to overthrow this government. And I've been thinking about this too. The co-founders of Black Lives Matter are not the leaders of this movement. The unknown leaders of Antifa are not the leaders of this movement. Nancy Pelosi is the leader of this movement. Chuck Schumer is the leader of this movement. Bernie Sanders is the leader of this movement. Joe Biden is the leader of this movement. These are Democrats. As I was the first to have the guts to say, they're going to vote for Democrats. And they will do whatever they have to do to have power, whether it's Democrats during the... And I want to tip my hat to my friend Tom Cotton, and he is my friend, on Fox and Friends this morning to bring up the analogy to the Confederacy, because I've been doing this now for many, many months. And last night I spent a lot of time on the parallels with the Confederacy and this Marxist movement. It's absolutely grotesque. The Democrat Party has always been a party of violence, rarely been a party of Americanism. Really much like the New York Times, if you think about it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, ladies and gentlemen, with the attacks on the police, and by the way, not just local police anymore, not just state police, but federal law enforcement. They're all under attack now. We have a Bill of Rights for a reason. It's to protect the individual against, well, against their enemies. And I exercise the Bill of Rights, including the Second Amendment. And the mayor of Chicago said, if Trump wants to stop violence in Chicago, he should enact gun control. They have gun control in Chicago. Is that the answer, ladies and gentlemen? This is always their fallback position. John Lott has a wonderful new book out. He's the president of Crime Prevention Research Center called Gun Control Myths, How Politicians, the Media, and Botched Studies Have Twisted the Facts on Gun Control. John Lott, how are you, my friend? Doing great. Good to talk to you again, Mark. It's a pleasure. I notice most of these cities have pretty strict gun control laws, don't they? Yeah, and they have Democrat mayors and city councils. They've been running them for decades, as you know. Uh, you know, the irony is is that the same politicians that order police to go and stand down or take away non-lethal options that the police have or reduce their budgets or close down bureaus uh, also want to disarm law-abiding citizens, too. It's not exactly sure what they expect people to be able to do when, uh, when bad guys come. And uh, I'm starting to think that a lot of these anti-gun laws have a race component to it. Oh. Because, you agree? Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> look, if my research convinces me of anything, it's, it's the, the most vulnerable people, particularly poor blacks who live in high-crime urban areas, are the ones who benefit the most from having guns. Police are extremely important in reducing crime. Anybody who's read my academic research knows that I think police are the single most important factor for reducing crime. But 
Even under the best of circumstances, police understand that they almost always arrive on the crime scene after the crimes occurred. And the question is, what should people do when they're having to confront a criminal by themselves? And having a gun is by far the most effective way of protecting oneself. The thing is, you look at so many of these gun control laws, it, it makes it particularly difficult for poor minorities to go and get guns. And they do it in so many different ways. Illinois, for example, uh, Compared to Indiana, uh, Indiana has about 18% of the adult population with a concealed carry permit. In Illinois, it's about 3%. And there's a simple reason for that, and that is it costs about $450 to get a concealed carry permit in Illinois. It costs zero right now to go and get one in Indiana. And who gets them in Illinois? It's basically wealthy whites who live in the suburbs. It's kind of like they went through everything they possibly could to make sure that poor blacks couldn't get it. You're not allowed to have a a concealed handgun, even a permitted one, on uh, public transportation. There's no training facilities in Chicago. If you're a a black who doesn't own a car because of 16-hour training, you have to go and essentially borrow somebody else's car for at least two days to travel way outside the city in order to get training, even assuming... You can pay, I mean, it's $450 just to get the license, you know, that's there. You look at things like uh, the background checks. You know, one of the things you often hear from Democrats is that there have been two and a half million dangerous prohibited people that have been stopped from buying guns because of background checks. That's simply false. What they should say is there have been two and a half million initial denials, and about 99% of those are mistakes. And the mistakes overwhelmingly involve blacks and Hispanics, males. People tend to have names similar to others in their racial groups. When you fill out the 4473s and you put down, you know, your name, your address, your social security number, your birth date, uh, your race, your eye color, you think they're using all that information. What they frequently end up using is just phonetically similar names and similar birthdays. And that just means you're going to have a lot of mistakes. 33% of black males are legally prohibited from owning a gun simply because of felony records. Whose names are their names most likely to be accidentally confused with? Other law-abiding good black males who want to get a gun to protect themselves and their families. There's no reason in the world that there should be these types of mistakes. I mean, if you go and talk to an employer and say, you know, uh, when you do criminal background checks on employees, you've got to look at roughly phonetically similar names. They're going to look at you like you're from Mars. All you have to do is have the federal government have to meet the same standards for doing background checks that the federal government mandates that uh, private companies have to do when they do background checks on employees. When, a couple years ago when they did the fix next bill, I tried to get uh, uh, the Senate to put in an amendment to, to actually fix this part. The Democrats, according to the Senate staffers, told me that it would be a poison pill mm-hmm. to go and require that the federal government, when it does background checks, has to meet the same requirements that private companies have to meet. All right, John, what I'm going to do is uh, carry over the bottom of the article because I have a few other questions to ask you. It's all right, but I want to hit them relatively concisely before we run out of time. And let me set it up this way with you. There were several gun cases that were teed up for the Supreme Court. 
And, uh, you know, Clarence Thomas said, why aren't we taking it? You know, it's time to address some of these cases. It's been 10 years since the famous Heller case. And yet the court won't take them up. And so what I want to ask you after the bottom of the hour is, why? Why won't the court address this? All right, more on John with John Lott on the Second Amendment when we return. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. John Lott. My question to you is, why is the Supreme Court ducking this issue when it gets into all these other issues? Right. Well, from what I understand from talking to some of the clerks there is that it's John Roberts, that uh, the four conservative justices have been chomping at the bit to go and... Hold on now, hold on now, hold on now, hold on. Two conservatives and two moderates, and then you have John Roberts, but go ahead. Okay. Well, anyway, there are four... Uh, Republican appointees who want to go and and bring the cases strongly, but they're worried that Roberts will vote against them if they go and bring it. Roberts, you know, I guess uh, the motivation is described as he just doesn't want to do what he considers to be controversial cases. And so if the Republicans were to bring it, uh, he would vote against them. If the Democrats were to bring it, the thought is he would vote against them. So neither side really wants to go and bring up the any of these second well and 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 uh, i'll say this not in literal terms but he's holding a gun to the court's head then correct uh and and it's really quite outrageous so what he's saying is don't bring these cases here i'm going to vote against you one way or the other right and what happens is is the the democratically controlled states are in circuits that the democrats control the circuits for and they have pretty much been approving any gun control law that gets passed in California or these other states. And so, you know, the Heller and McDonald decisions have really had no impact on, uh, or very little impact on uh, any of the cases across the country. You know, it's very disconcerting and dispiriting to the American people who believe in the Constitution and the rule of law and individual liberty we see this stuff going on in the streets, this lawlessness, but when it's lawlessness in the Supreme Court, this is what I'm going to say. It's just true. Uh, where they don't uphold parts of the Bill of Rights, where they don't like it, that's even more dangerous than the lawlessness in the street. Those amendments in the Bill of Rights, you don't have a right to a gun. You can't protect yourself in this country anymore. It's that simple. Well, yeah, I mean, you have police being defunded. You have them lethal options that the police have, non-lethal options have been taken away from the police. They're being ordered to stand down. If you want to see what the world is like having police defunded, just see what happens in the riots when they've been ordered to stand down. The problem is, and Congress has no fear of this, they have the Capitol Hill police protecting them. The leaders in Congress have no fear of this, they actually have special protection services for them. Right. Uh, most of the media and others do not live in these communities. And so it's like looking in an aquarium to them. They say, okay, I see this fish is eating this fish, but okay, uh, let's go to dinner. So they don't, it, it, in other words, they're so disconnected from what goes on in the streets or the, what, what people need, they just don't give a damn, John. No, I mean... <clears throat> Same with the mayors. Right, well... You know, it's. I never quite understood why you have these cities so oppose school choice that would get you know 
rid of these failing public schools. I also don't understand why, you know, who's being hurt by these riots. It's basically businesses that are located in heavily black areas, many of them owned by blacks. The jobs that are being destroyed are mainly for blacks. The places where they go and shop, the customers in those areas are mainly blacks. If you want to see the future of what some of these cities are going to look like, go look at Detroit. You know, Detroit in the 1950s and early 1960s was by far the wealthiest large city in the United States. Now you go there and there's still parts of the city that are just open fields because the buildings were never replaced. That's the future for people who live in these areas that are being destroyed. All right, John Locke, we wish you well. Your book is Gun Control Myths. I have linked to it on Mark Levin Show Facebook. Mark Levin Show Twitter. You always write terrifically important books, John. I wish you all the best. Well, thanks for being there, Mark. I all, right. all appreciate it. Thank and you. God bless you. This guy toils in this field like nobody else, and uh, he's the go-to guy when it comes to the Second Amendment. So you can see how he's hated by the media and the left. Sandra, Houston, Texas, XM Satellite. Sandra, you're on. Go right ahead, please. Hello? Yes, Sandra, that would be you. Go right ahead, please. Okay. Okay, Mark, um, I have the utmost respect for you. Yes. Um, and, Mark, I want, I want to say something, and I think if you break things down, if we, we know we always go, we're step one, step one, two, and three. Well, there's a step zero that I feel like we're missing. I feel like the American people, Mark, are missing the fact. I'm going to give you an example. I'm from a family of eight children. With four different fathers, Mark, four. And if you can imagine what it takes for all of us to love each other, to get along, we are from four different fathers. We are close as you can believe we are. Because we went back, we didn't splinter off to this name and that name. We didn't splinter off to four different families. We stayed with the, with the love and the acknowledgement of the one person that brought us together, which would have been, in my eyes, my mother, then my grandmother. And this country, is, they don't understand that if they go back, we are the country. It doesn't matter what we call ourselves, you know, Asian, black, or whatever. And I'm from a mixed, I'm from a mixed family. But we all came back, and somehow or another, we can't reach these people to understand that you're American, and that's all you are. And you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get behind your president. This is your president. This is your country. This is a country we all have to, no matter what it is, we gotta bind together, just like my family did. Mark, I've got the most wonderful family in the world, and I'm from four different fathers. Mm -hmm. And that's what's missing in our country. Why can't people say and think, I went to the, uh, the police appreciation in Houston, Texas, and they were, you know, the, the, whoever they were, just anti, I hate this, I hate them, I hate America, I hate uh, Trump. How can you have the nerve? How do you have the nerve to say you hate this country? How do you have the nerve? That's like saying you hate your family. That's like saying you hate God. 
And the problem is, Mark, so many people do. They hate their families. Nobody said their families were perfect. Nobody said we were perfect. But we are the best. We are the only hope. We are the only hope. What do we got to do for these people to understand it? We are the only hope. There is no other way. Why aren't people going to Chicago? Where's Oprah? Where's all these athletes? Where was Oprah? Where were these people? When I watched the president and he spoke, and I can't remember what state, the union, whatever, and, and I watched the Democrats just sit there while he poured his heart out. And they don't understand this man doesn't have to do this. He did this because of the love for the country. Get over his personality. It's not about his personality. Look what he's done. He wants us to be America. And anybody that doesn't understand that, how do you not understand that? If we're not going to be America, if we're not going to live up to our Constitution, who are we going to be? Mark, who are we going to be? Mm-hmm. You know? I don't understand. My father spent his life in the Air Force and the Army. I was born on off an Air Force base. And my family have been through up and down. So the government has been there for my mother. My mother has received welfare. Every single one of my brothers and sisters, none of us has been to jail. None of us have done drugs because we had a love for and a respect for the name of my family. For my let, family. Let, me, let me say this just because we're running out of time. You're a remarkable lady, and you've got remarkable siblings and really remarkable family that through thick and thin you all stood together, and you all know you shared a mother, some of you shared a father, and statistically, the way it would work typically is you wouldn't know each other, and it'd be all busted up. And yet, so this is remarkable. And I think the message you're leaving here is very, very important. Uh, It is very, very important. And this country is like a family. And you know, Sandra, I talk about the foxholes. We've had men fight around the world, and they're in a foxhole. It didn't matter if the man next to them was white or black or Asian or Hispanic or gay. Nobody cared. We have a common purpose and a common enemy. But we've had decade after decade after decade of a political party in an ideology that has tried to destroy this country, that has followed a different way, that has embraced an alien ideology, and it's Marxism. Progressivism is an offshoot of Marxism. It's statism. And you can hear the, 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 the vile poison, the cancerous type of politics when you hear Nancy Pelosi today calling the China virus the Trump virus, other things that have come out of her mouth, and Chuck Schumer constantly scheming to undermine our Constitution and our country, and you see now a new form of media, it was always bad, but never this bad, where these uh, people in the media, they, 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 while they use the Constitution, they abuse it, they have no intention of being serious and real reporters. They have as their goal the destruction of the President of the United States. You see what the prior administration did, how they tried to prevent Donald Trump from getting elected with spies sent from the FBI, uh, with lies to a federal court by the FBI, with leaks to uh, Democrat Party uh, news uh, operatives uh, from the FBI. 
And then a coup attempt, the number two at the FBI, talking about the 25th Amendment and and then an, an, a criminalization, an investigation that should never have taken place, an impeachment that was unconstitutional, where Nancy Pelosi violated the historic rules and traditions of the House of Representatives. You have all of that. And then you have the effort to blame the president for a virus in which I think he's done an exquisite job, quite frankly. And now you have riots in the street and he's trying to figure out how to put them down with as little violence as possible. And he's being called today a dictator, an authoritarian, uh, while the people in the street who are killing and abusing and, uh, and, and looting and, and starting fires and attacking the cops, they're the ones who are celebrated. The bottom line, Sandra, is we're losing our country. And if the American people don't rally in this election, if there's not enough of us left who love this place, who want to see this civil society, who are smart enough to put aside the media and the static and understand exactly what's taking place here, that this is between us, those of us who really do embrace our system, and them, those who want to destroy it, if that doesn't come across during the election, and the president and the RNC, it's not up to them, it's up to us. We are citizens. Then we're going to lose everything. We're going to lose everything. I want to thank you, Sandra, and God bless you, and we'll be right back. Mark Lovin. That was a beautiful and yet emotional and in some ways shocking call from Sandra just to remind us what this is all about. This is no joke. This is no joke what's taking place in this country and this is no joke this election. We're hanging on by our fingertips. Please listen to me. We are hanging on by our fingertips. This isn't about Donald Trump or Joe Biden. This is about you and your country. And you can see the giddy activity of the Democrats. They're very excited. They think they're going to blow out the Senate, hold on to the House, and blow out the White House in a massive electoral college and popular vote victory, take some, a bunch of the states, and then impose their will on a free people. You never thought it could happen, but it's staring in the face. It's staring you in the face. Look around you. Some of you are angry and furious. Some of you are frightened and worried. Look what's happening in our public schools. Look what's being taught to kindergartens in Loudoun County, Virginia. Social activism and slavery and race. As my daughter says about our grandkids, they don't even know anything about race. They don't look at people that way. Well, they will by the time they leave this school district, little kids. You have nothing to say about it. Loudoun County Board of Supervisors now wants to abolish the sheriff's office. He's independently elected by the people of the county. And they want to turn it into a police force that reports to the Board of Supervisors because now the Democrats took control. And a Soros prosecutor was elected here. This was a Republican conservative outside suburb of Washington. Now it's gone. It's gone. This is happening all over the country. All over the country. The police are under attack. Our laws are under attack. Our constitution's under attack. Our president is under attack. 
Notice nobody's attacking the Democrats. Nobody's attacking the NBA players and the football players. They're all fine. They don't have to worry about it. Nobody's attacking anybody who wears a Biden hat or has a Biden bumper sticker in their car. No, it all goes one way. And I don't want you just to cry in your cornflakes here, folks. We've got to expect more of each and every one of us. We need to be resolute. We have access to the Internet. We have access to iPhones and hardline phones. We have access to emails and texts. We need to spread the word. You need to become Thomas Paine. You need to get the word out there. You need to explain to your kids that they need to vote and they need to vote the right way. Same with your neighbors. Go outside. Talk to them. Same with your coworkers. This isn't a time to be silent. It's not a time to be cowed. The time is now. And we salute our police and law enforcement, the uh, firefighters. We salute the military and emergency personnel. And I salute all of you. All of you Thomas Paines out there. God bless you. And I'll see you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. <laughs>